0: Welcome to Inside Stories. I'm Tequila. And I'm Jen. Here on Inside Stories, we explore Madison one story at a time. We take a listen to the stories that are told at some of our live storytelling events. And we have the storyteller here and we interview them.
1: This week we have Erica with us. And Erica told the story, I think, in 2018 at the Moth. And um, I think we'll just listen to this. Well, first of all. Hello, Welcome. Erica. <laughs>
2: Hi, Jan. Hi, Tequila. Thanks for having me. It's
1: it's remarkable to me how many times I forget to do this. I don't understand. It. There's like only two jobs at the beginning of a podcast, but I can't. Yeah, one, so. job, yeah, one job, Jan. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, but so hello, and we're gonna listen to the story and then we'll talk about it. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, thanks.
2: <clears throat> so, I used to live on a livestock farm, and the beginnings on a livestock farm. Are really cute. There's sprunging goats, there's fluffy lambs, and there's the miracle that is what once was an egg becoming a chick a day later. Very, very cute. But the thing about beginnings on a livestock farm is that the beginning is always meant to be the end. In this country, we are very divorced from the idea of where our food comes from, especially meat. It seems that many of us feel that uh, meat is something that kind of comes up from the earth, shrink-wrapped, bloodless, and cold. But that, I'm here to tell you, (laughs) is not the truth. And when you live on a livestock farm, you see many beginnings and you see many ends. When you kill an animal for food... The hardest part is the moment you can't take back. When you pull that trigger, there's always a moment before that when you think, I could let you go, I need to eat and I wanna have responsible meat for my community and my friends and my family, but I could let you go. And that's the hardest part, is pulling that trigger. And once it's pulled, it's easy. Because taking something that used to be alive and cutting it up into stakes, that's the easy part. That's where I am right now in my marriage. A few months ago, that was the hardest part. That was pulling the trigger. And now where I am is cutting up the stakes. And a few months ago, my dad says to me gently, which is not always his way, are you sure is this right and I talk, 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 and I talk. And finally, finally I say, I just don't like the way we look at each other anymore. And it reminds me of that part in The Hunger Games, where Katniss is freaking out because she has to decide if she wants to kill a bunch of children or survive. And Gail comes in and he says to her, Katniss, it's just, you're a huntress. It's just animals. You can do this. And she says, animals, Gail. These are people. And he says, it's not that different. And I keep telling myself that. It's not that different. You can do this. You did that. You can do this. It's not that different. We tried to go to therapy. Uh, We went to this therapist, and she had a room full of coloring books and children's toys and a tent. It was made for small bodies. It was a small tent. And before she came in, when we were alone and by ourselves, I said, please go in that tent with me. I want her to come in, and I want to see two, her to see two grown adults and a tent that is made for one child. Please. And he wouldn't, because I think what he thought is that the work we needed to do was on the couch, but the work we needed to do was in that fucking tent, because we didn't Have fun together anymore. And I'm an adult, at least in theory. And I know that life is not one big amusement park and it's not one fun thing to another. I understand that, but I also understand that life shouldn't be a constant argument. Uh, Life doesn't always have to be fun, but life also shouldn't always be miserable. And so I said, please, get in the tent. And he doesn't want to. And I feel lonely even when we're together. And I know that I can go into our chest freezer and I can defrost as many steaks as I want. And I can sew them together. And I can throw a pilt over the top. But all that is is a monster. It's not a sheep It's not a marriage, and I don't want to be a monster. I don't want to be a vulture together with him just picking at each other until we're nothing but bones. I don't want to be that. And so I'm standing here at the beginning of the end. I've pulled the trigger. (laughs) Thank you. And now I'm just cutting up the stakes. Um, that was pretty awesome. I've never heard that one before. That was so good. Thanks. That's really nice of you to say. I think that there's a certain sort of um, hell for um, when you're listening to yourself. This <laughs> is terrible. We, we've all I was said gonna that. A- yeah. ask you guys if you feel the same. If you're like listening yeah. to the podcast and you're like, oh no, don't tell me I sound like that. Yes, we both oh. friends sitting <laughs> yeah. here like, oh my god, I sound like that. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's so yeah. horrible. <laughs>
1: oh. um, so first of all in stories like I always like just a great first line I'm a fan of a great first line and so for me like you used to live on a livestock farm I mean already I'm like you live like what like wow like who lives on a livestock farm so already (laughs) I was sort of interested and you know of course I love how you did you sort of brought up the the cutting up the meats and I actually as I was listening to it this time I, I wrote it down because it's such a great transition where you're you're describing shooting the animal and then like you know cutting up the meats is easy and then you said and this is where I am in my marriage I was like oh, oh okay that was a, such a sharp turn I, I, I was like, like oh I girl like, yeah, okay I'm like, with you yeah so anyway so I really appreciated how you did that and then made it work at the end so I I like that
0: Yes, that transition was pretty awesome, so good good job on that. How did you come up with that,
2: like, quick turn, like, yeah, I'm about
0: to shoot my marriage in the head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that was just kind of, like, the goal from, you know, when I started writing it. But um, it's funny that you talk about that part because the thing that I was really thinking when I got onto stage was, um, this is Madison. I was like, I— are they going to shoot me in the head for talking about, you know, there's a lot of vegetarians, a lot of vegans. Oh, I was like, I really hope this goes over okay, you know, because this is kind of intense. And so people responded pretty well to it. But um, I think that was like the big thing I was thinking about. as like, how can I say what I want to say and use this as kind of like a way to talk about what's happening in my marriage and also like not get run out of town? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think, you know, I will say as someone who, um, Um, doesn't spend time on farms and I'm very comfortable with my bloodless, you know, shrink wrapped (laughs) meat. um, I very much appreciate what you're saying. Like, yes, like it is a problem that we are also separated from our meat. So I think even people who don't eat meat or, you know, with, liked
2: what you had to say yeah, about it. People were very nice about it. <laughs> yeah, and just the
0: imagery that you kind of put there, like most of us probably have never done that with an animal before. So just to have a, an imagination and say, oh, what would it be like to have to pull the trigger? And then, well, this is the same for my divorce. So even if you've never felt a divorce before, it's like, that's the gravity of it. That's kind of how it feels, like yeah. what you're doing when you have to go through that process. And,
2: you know, it was very interesting to me is after I told that story, um, and then after I posted uh, that story online, and just some kind of, like, other musings on Facebook about, like, the, the story and kind of what was going on is that there was people that I had no idea that were like, oh, that reminds me of 20 years ago. But, you know, I, I've met them 20 years past that, and so I didn't realize that they'd gone through this big divorce. Or this So it did seem to kind of... Bring people out of the woodwork to tell yeah. me you know it like it was weird because I thought I was telling about myself, and then I ended up learning a lot about other people around me, so it was kind of interesting
1: well the other thing that to me struck me when I heard you tell it the first time at the moth is when you talked about how like the hardest thing is pulling the trigger but and I think that's just true in general, like the hardest thing is making a decision yeah. first you know like whatever the decision is like that's the hardest part then you deal with the aftermath of the decision so for me it was like even though i haven't gone through a divorce yet and i definitely haven't you know killed a farm animal <laughs> yet um <Yes>. <laughs> <What> <laughs> I, mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean who knows you know um that uh that i very much connected with it because i know i struggle with making decisions and so i thought about that a lot um, another moment that struck me too, and you did a good job. I like when people do
0: stories within a story and they do it well and they just kind of quickly cut to another time in history and it's just quick, concise, but it kind of ties everything together and makes the rest of the story make sense. So you cut to, you know, being in the therapist's office and it was just like, just go in the fucking tent with me. Yeah. Just like, can we just have fun? Like, yeah. I know that's why we're here, but just that's this is a problem. Can we just have fun? So can you tell me about what made you put that moment in story? Because you probably had a lot of other sure. moments you could have put in there, but that one was pretty impactful
1: too. Yeah, well,
2: I was trying to think of something that would be good to kind of describe that feeling where you know I think that a lot of times you hear um, stories about people getting divorced and it's like he spent all my money gambling or you know he did this and that and it was like these horrible things where you're like of course of course you guys got divorced after these terrible things but um, for Joel and I it much more felt just like, We were growing apart, and I wish him all the goodwill in the world. And, you know, I, I wanted something to kind of encapsulate that feeling of, like, there wasn't something terrible and horrible that made this marriage not able to exist anymore, but just it had become this thing that, like, We weren't doing the things that we used to do. You know, we would, like, go to bars and just put on, like, Ace of Bases the sign ten times in a row (laughs) and just wait and watch people. And, you know, we got the idea from a comedian, so it's not, like, our own idea. But just, like, things like that where it was just, like, silly little things that um, made life enjoyable and fun. And then we stopped doing them, and it was, like why? <laughs> you know, so just trying to find a way to say that concisely. And it's interesting how um, you said about the, I. You can hear it in my voice now. I am not a concise person. And I think that um, Alexandria like rings that bell on me every time <laughs> at the mob. you know, to be like, your time's up, you have like a minute left. And um, I always write down all my stories. And so like this one was probably like three pages long. And so oh, it's wow. like, that was kind of like, the thing that felt the most impactful that made it Mm -hmm. but there was others (laughs) yeah so yeah it's always kind of weird to try to whittle things down and know that you have to be in that five minutes and I feel like when you're trying to do it you're like oh the tyranny of this five minutes but then I've gone to other things that have longer storytelling times and you're like get to the point you know so (laughs) I think that the five minutes is really good because I think it forces you to be concise but it's also really hard when you're one of those people like I am where I'm just like, oh, and you'll understand this if I tell you a 20-minute side story and then come back. So it's hard. I know it's
1: hard. It's interesting to me that you say you write it down first because I feel like, um, because I hear a lot of people tell a lot of stories, and usually I can tell a like, that person has written it. They have a very particular turn of phrase. They've halfway memorized their story, mm-hmm. and it's a great story, but you can just sort of tell. And I never think that about you. Like well, you, I always do. Yeah, because <laughs> like, your story just – yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong all the time. No, <laughs> you know?
2: That's I think it's really interesting. Um, there's a, a book that was written by a moth grand champion. I forget what it's called now. Um, but she kind of advises you not to do that, and I think for the same reason, that then it kind of feels uh, rehearsed. And I've just, like, journaled all my life, and I used to do, like, kind of, like, slam poetry, and so I think that I like to write it down, and then kind of I'll, like, kind of go paragraph by paragraph and be like, okay, these are the things I need to say in this paragraph, and so then I'll write those on a sheet of paper, and then I'll look at that sheet of paper, and I'll try to say it out loud. And so it's funny, because it kind of starts written, and then it goes... um, to an auditory story, but I went to a different storytelling event in Appleton once where they let you keep your paper and it was a story that I had told previously at a moth and I was like, oh, okay, cool, I'm going to have my paper, it's going to be my safety net and I just felt like all the impact was gone and Mm. I actually hated it. So it was really weird because I think when you're preparing to go on stage, like that paper can feel like a safety net and you're like, oh, if I could only just bring my notes, like why won't Jen let me? But then (laughs) when you actually have them, you realize that you're not working on your Facial expressions, mm-hmm. like how you're moving your body, and you're just kind of focused on that paper and not necessarily the audience. And I think there was one part at this story where I said, thank you. But, yeah, uh, yeah, at the very be, end. Yeah, yeah, because someone was like, "Wow, yes! Yeah. Or, you know, like made some kind of very encouraging thing. And so I think that um, without that paper, you're really, you're part of the audience and uh, no... Uh, disrespect for uh, storytelling events that do let you have the paper, but I'm kind of glad that I finally did something that doesn't allow it because there's so much more audience participation, I think, that when it's not between you.
1: Yeah, I do think it's different for different people, and I think people who have acting ability, you know, it's different. But I know, like, my personal experience, and just watching people at The Moth, I feel like once you've kind of memorized something, like you're pretty committed and excited to what you've written, you know, like, Oh well that's a that's a good sentence. Like mm-hmm. I must say that one. And so you're <laughs> so you're more thinking that than being sort of in the moment and, and responding to the audience. So yeah. yeah but but uh, so, but some people are good actors and they can do they can do it all. And that's <laughs> so. one of
0: the things she hit on that I think is really key too is audience participation and being engaged with them. That makes a really good story too when they you're able to feed off the audience a little bit and kind of either speed it up, slow it down, get louder, respond to someone you know yeah. saying some stuff in the audience. Sure. So she talked about slam poetry that you used to do. So you're probably a little bit trained in the audience feedback kind of yeah, thing. A so little bit. I haven't easy. done
2: that for a long time. But okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, I did it for a while. Okay. Yeah.
0: Does that influence how you tell the stories when you do them around town? Like having that kind of training? I, love I call it training because it is an art to be able to get up there and do slam poetry, I think.
2: I, I think that sometimes, like, um, I feel like I can hear it in my voice. Oh, and, like, I would, when I listen to the story on the way here, and I feel like I'm kind of doing this a little bit, you know? And you're <laughs> like, oh, there it is, kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like sometimes that comes out there.
1: So I know... You come to the moth on a fairly regular basis. I loved um, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, and um, I think you've maybe told five or six stories there or something. I think that's about right. Yeah. And I feel like each one you tell is, becomes my favorite. Like, I actually, <laughs> I, I, it seems to me like you've also just become more comfortable on the stage. Yeah, too, like for sure. As, as the time has gone by. But so do you just, whether it's just telling stories or other things in your life, do you try to use storytelling in your? daily life?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I know. I think sometimes you've asked about like jobs and stuff, and my job, I'm uh, the laboratory technician in um, uh, Lodi Veterinary Care's lab, and so that's kind of, you know, every time you've seen like a lab technician on TV, that's like kind of me where everything else is happening, and I'm kind of in my own corner, so I don't get a lot of storytelling experience per se, but I feel like whenever people ask me about stuff, I'll be like, well, to answer that question, let's talk about the life cycle of this parasite. And like I kinda of like started like, Well, can I tell you some, you know, facts about rabies? And they're like, I was just asking if we should submit this bat. I'm like, Yep, well, <laughs> came into the corner, so this is what you get now. Um but yeah (laughs) because I'm
0: like Like, let me tell you a story but let me give you a backstory real quick let me set this up for you (laughs)
2: like backing away and I'm like you're mine (laughs) Uh, so I do feel like storytelling makes things more interesting and I do think that I do it a lot Um, almost like kind of like a bit or a defense mechanism sometimes or when I'm around people because I get very socially awkward but I feel like if you can kind of like launch into a story that you know people are gonna like or you know it's gonna be funny then it's like you can almost kind of like let your like nervousness like sit in the back and then let like you know, your hands and your face do the talking and then you're like, okay, we're engaged. And then I'll I'll be done talking and then it will be their turn. And then they'll tell a story and like, it'll be fine. instead of just being like, oh, the weather or whatever. So I think that I I do use it, I don't know, um, a lot. (laughs) Are you an introvert? You know, it's funny because I can never decide because I think that a lot of my friends that know me well would be like, that bee won't shut up. <laughs> but um, I, I think that I do have like a little bit of social anxiety sometimes around like people that I don't know very well. And it is funny to me at the Moth because I have a lot of people that will be like, oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, oh, I'm scared every time it's, makes me feel like I, I think I'm going to puke right before it happens. And then I get up on stage, and there's, like, all this adrenaline. Right, yeah, and, there's, sure. you know, you can't – the lovely thing about the lights is you can't really can't see, see people. Anybody. That's, that's, that's awesome. key. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's yeah. key. Um, but, yeah, I think that it's funny sometimes because people will be like um, – Oh, well, I could never do that because I'm scared. And there's a lot of um, kind of like anxieties in my family. And um, one family member in particular, I won't drive on highways. I'm scared. I won't do this. I'm scared. I'm like, oh, I'm I can't be like that. So I think that sometimes I even kind of started the moth. To try to challenge that, to be like, mm. get up there and be scared and like don't die, and then people liked it and right. said nice things, and I was like, oh maybe. <laughs> not
1: I'm only did I not die, I'm like people said hey, nice I'm things like, about yeah, right. me. Like, I, I should driving. try yeah. to not I'll die do again. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, once I was tempted, I was torn between two of your stories because, um, and this ties into you talking about your social anxiety, and so we don't need to go into the story now. But she has this incredible story about seeing Bruce Springsteen, and, and <laughs> I like. Like I, my first five concerts from the age of thirteen to eighteen were Bruce, like, and I, so I, I actually knew that about yeah, you. So I but I thought, I thought if we tell this story, we will sonder it out on Bruce. And Tequila will just be like, what is happening? I'll just be sitting here like I know who you're talking yeah. about, but I don't. Care. Yeah. So yeah. So so. But anyhow. But
2: that's fair.
1: I I did like that story too.
2: That's probably my favorite.
0: Um, Another question we like to ask, obviously, what's one of your favorite things to do
2: here in Madison? Oh, picking one is hard. Can I say a couple? Yes. Okay, well, I think one of the things that I really like about Madison is just, like, the general weirdness, and that makes me feel comfortable as, like, a generally weird kind of person. But I really like to take my dogs to dog parks, and I really like to go to, like, comedy shows and uh, music shows downtown. Those are some of my favorites. And I feel like Madison is a really good place to have, like, um I guess I think of it as like a perfect moment. So there was one time around the time I told this story in February that I was feeling kind of, and it was February, which is kind of like a month. Mm -hmm. And I went to see one of my favorite bands downtown at, I think it was the Majestic. Um, And it was such a nice uh, show. And there was this woman next to me that like, she kept screaming for one of their songs called Never Learn, Never Learn. And there's like, the set list is right in front of us. And so I'm like laughing because she's like, never learning that, It's a set list. And so it was just like this very kind of silly moment. And it was so cold outside, if you recall, this terrible winter. And then um, it was so warm with all the bodies pressed against us. And then when we walked outside, it had just started to snow. And I thought, like, if this concert lasted one more hour, that then there would be snow all over and I'd have to scrape off my car and it would be terrible. But, like, it was just so nice to, like, have this lovely day and, like, walk out into, like, the new fallen snow. And I just feel like, for whatever reason, I have a lot of those in Madison where you're just like all this just came together well. And I don't know what, it's just the city. It's just, it's a nice place. I'm glad. I finally live here after like living in Wisconsin for nine years. I just bought a house oh. in Madison. Congratulations. So that's exciting. I'll ask you, you, you.
0: offline um, who you went with for your loan. that's a <laughs> oh, new <neat> question.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in and for letting us play me. your story. Yeah, yeah thank you. It was me.
0: really fun. Well, thanks. <laughs> That one was a fun one. I've never heard a story before, but um I dig her. I like socially awkward people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I um I've enjoyed many of Erica's stories and so it was fun to talk to her. Nice. So um Okay. Well, we're at the end of the podcast again. So here's our uh, nitty gritty details, which is, um, let me see. Oh, please email us at inside stories podcast at gmail.com. One thing I want to say is, um, I think I've heard from two people who are interested in being on the podcast. So I just want to just mention that, um, these are stories that we play the audio of a story that someone told live somewhere in Madison. So we're not recording someone telling a story in the studio. So I'm just going to mention that, um, in case people are interested.
0: Right. Um, if you do want to attend any of the live storytelling events, you can, um, email us or check one out. The moth has one every month. Um, storytellers that Brendan does. Yes. It's that one.
1: Um, I, I, they're not monthly right now, so you just need to Google Madison Storytellers, and then Madison Story Slam is every month. But I think they change location, so you need to Google them as well. I do want to put in a plug for the Moth Grand Slam, oh yes, which That's is September twentieth. And actually, I was thinking about it. Three people we featured on the podcast will be in the Grand Slam: Raj Shukla, who I think was episode five; Charles Payne, who which was. I, I don't know the numbers, but he was a later episode, and then Bill Stork also a later episode. They are all in the Grand Slam. Yes,
0: yeah, so come check it out if you would like to. Um, I'll be there as well. Not like you're coming just to see me, but I mean you can just come to see me if you want to. Um, but it's a great event. Really good stories. Um,
1: yeah, actually, that brings in another person. So Ann Imig and Tequila, um, and then and, uh, then uh, woman Dana. All three of them were a part of Listen to Your Mother. They are a judging team at the Grand yes. Slam. So, and. If you're on Facebook, look for Inside Stories Podcast on Facebook, because we put up some pictures of the storytellers.
0: And you can also share some old stories, listen to some new ones, um, find some favorites, um, and just generally keep up to date with what we both have going on.
1: Yeah, and actually, that's a good point, Tequila said about sharing. If you're listening to this, particularly if you're listening because you're a friend of Erica's and or you just heard about it, um, tell your friends about it. Let them know.
0: Exactly. So. And thanks, as always, to Richard um, for his amazing studio skills.
1: And see you. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.